Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And in just nine days, nine days, the 2017 college football season kicks off. And that means the work of NFL Roll Scouts will kick into high gear as they look for the building blocks that will take their team to the next level and beyond. And in that spirit, we bring you the second edition of our initial way too early look at potential 2018 NFL draft prospects. This edition covers where football games are won, in the trenches. And we have the perfect guest here tonight to help us break down the offensive line, defensive line, and edge players that are likely to hear their names called next April. He is Dr. Trenches himself, as I call him, but he is, in reality, our good friend Nick Kendall of MileHighHuddle.com. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to the program, Nick. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Just want to offer you a correction. We are just... uh three days from football, according to my schedule. The uh, Oregon State Beavers play the Colorado State Rams at on August 26th. So it's it's this weekend. Thank you very much for that correction, Nick. Tremendously appreciated. And uh, without yeah. further ado, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, these uh, college football uh, treacherous stars that could move on to the NFL next year, starting with edge rushers. And the top two edge rushers on most boards I've seen are Arden Key of LSU and Harold Landry of Boston College. In addition, both often crack the top 10 overall. What are your early impressions of both players? Like their similarities and differences, and who do you have rated higher and why? Well, personally, based off the tape, I am in athleticism over everything, you know, with first my first take. So I'm not really diving too much into personality, you know, intelligence. I get more of that as the process rolls along, especially in the combine when I talk to some of my uh scout connections and you know those guys have the team interviews they have the chalkboard interviews and those that's where i do more of the uh, personality stuff to sort the board out but just based on pure athleticism and tape i gotta go with arden key i mean he is huge he's six six with tremendous wingspan um he played last year at about rumored about 235 but he's supposedly up to 250 255 this year so he's put on the weight that's necessary for him to play uh, stand-up two-point edge like in a 3-4 technique or a 3-4 offense or defense excuse me and uh, he can also I think potentially put his hand in the dirt as more of a 4-3 defensive end uh, if he has that additional weight uh, he is missing the first game of the year and there are some questions uh, that I've heard from a few that he may not be the best guy off the field so that'll definitely raise him up and down but perfect comparison to him is a I would say a Leonard Floyd type just because you that length and that bendiness and that explosion is such a rare combo that he's really just a great uh, edge prospect. I wouldn't put him up there as far as uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was more explosive, uh, stronger edge rusher. But as far as like a stand-up 3-4 edge, I think Arden Key's the prototype for me just because that size and that flexibility with that speed is really rare. After that, I do have Harold Landry. Uh, Harold Landry reminds me a lot of he's, – he's a better version of Shane Ray in my opinion where – He's too small to be a 4-3 defensive end, in my opinion. Uh, 6-3, 245, 250. He doesn't look that big to me. I'd guess he's probably closer to 240 in his playing weight. Uh, Good hand technique. Very, very active at the snap and uh, can really bend. I love those bendy edge rushers. Being a uh, Bronco fan, I always put the what would fit best for the Broncos lens on when I scout prospects because, I mean, I write for Mala Huddle. All my prospect work is focused more towards the Broncos than in general. So three, four, stand-up linebacker. Harold Landry is probably one of the better uh, edge rushers in this class in that regard. 
after that, my third favorite, honestly, again, more of a stand-up edge rusher and be better in a 3-4 scheme is uh, Dorrance Armstrong Jr. from Kansas. Uh, again, very explosive. Bendy uses a good job with his hands and uh, really has great closing speed. Watching him uh, defend the edge with speed and length against Oklahoma last year, uh, watching him chase down and really corral Joe Mixon, who was probably one of the more explosive backs in football, was a pleasure to watch. And he really caught my eye first time last year when I was watching uh, Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes, you know, doing pretty well for the Chiefs in preseason, has a lot of tools. Broncos had him high on his on their board as well. But uh, Armstrong kept flashing. I was like, man, who is this guy? I got to check him out. And he's on the preseason uh, Big 12 All-American list. And I think has all the tools to be a first-rounder. Needs to add weight, needs to be a little bit more consistent, but a uh, very young, exciting uh, junior edge rusher. And Kansas doesn't have many <laughs> exciting NFL prospects. So he's one that definitely, if you get a chance to watch him, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Nick, I'm glad you mentioned Dorrance Armstrong because uh, he was a kid that was flying under the radar until late June when Matt Miller of Bleacher Report uh, mentioned in his weekly scouting notebook column that Armstrong was originally supposed to be a super sleeper prospect for the season until David Beatty, the head coach of Kansas, compared him to Miles Garrett, who was obviously the first overall pick in the 2017 draft. And you just explained perfectly why you bought the hype on Dorrance Armstrong. I like watching Armstrong too. Uh, he definitely knows how to get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. I think he had like uh, five sacks in like five straight games. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but he, for some reason, wasn't, didn't stand out to me as much as Aaron Key and Harold Landry, but I kind of had another thought today that maybe that's because that Kansas is a, a bottom of the barrel college football program and he might not have had as many opportunities to showcase his amazing skill set as uh, those other two did. Uh, do you think that's a possibility? I definitely think that's a possibility. If you are playing from behind pretty consistently and the other team's going to be running the ball trying to kill the game, your, your speed rushers aren't going to give the opportunities to uh, get after the quarterback. And I don't, I'm, I don't have him up on the same level as Keir Landry, but as far as traits go, he's got great burst. He has the frame. And he has the the ankle flexibility, something that I harp on uh, in terms of his ability to bend that corner, uh, get at an angle, you know, dip that shoulder so the offensive tackle can't get the hands on him and then get to the quarterback. And he has all those. He's definitely more of a projection this year. He needs to take the next step uh, in terms of using uh, different passing techniques, going inside, outside, um, as well as adding strength to set the edge better as a uh, strong run defender or a strong edge setter rather than just using his speed and athleticism to disengage. But I think he has the tools that you look for in a 3-4 defensive end. So any team that's looking for uh, young pass rushing depth that might take a couple years, uh, maybe one year, you know, you use them situationally the first year and then bring them along, kind of like uh, what the Broncos did with Shane Ray when they brought him in. You know, he wasn't day one starter for us, but he came in and, you know, was brought in in past situations and was pretty effective in his role. But he took a little bit of time to add the proper technique, add the proper muscle because he was more tools than a finished project when he was drafted. And I see something similar in Dorrance Armstrong Jr. So he's definitely one to watch, um, and I'm excited to see him going forward. If I was a 4-3 team, my third edge rusher would probably be uh, Bradley Chubb. He is much more of a strength edge rusher. He is strong. He has pretty good hand technique. Uh, very, very productive for the University of uh, North Carolina State. And just a lot of fun. He's 6'4", 275. You know, he's not going to be 
super uh, – he's not going to get a lot of sacks in the NFL, in my opinion. You know, if he can get that 10 to 10 sacks, that'll be big for him. Since pressure that he offers there at that strong edge position, especially being that weight uh, with nice size, speed, and instincts at the point of attack. Uh, I, I think he's definitely a guy to watch. And if I was running a 4-3 team, he would, he would be my third edge rusher. But again, with how the NFL is going, everything is getting so specialized based on the scheme you run that it really depends on what you need from that specific player at that position. Absolutely, and I definitely look forward to watching Bradley Chubb as well as those other three edge rushers we talked about. And now moving on to offensive tackle here, and obviously, as you know, I know, and most everybody, every other football diehard knows, the 2017 offensive tackle class was one of the shallowest in recent memory. However, 2018's offensive tackle crop promises to be pretty much the exact opposite. And in your most recent way too early top 40 board, you have six offensive tackles listed. I understand the hype on the first two you listed, which were Connor Williams of Texas. But if you want to see how amazing Connor Williams is and can be, put on that Notre Dame tape from last year. He is just an animal. And Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, who I believe could be an elite right tackle in the NFL. However, I either wasn't, wasn't wild by or didn't have time to check out the tape of the other four offensive tackles you listed. Trey Adams of Washington, Martez Ivy of Florida, Chapuma Korofor of Western Michigan, and Brian O'Neill of Pittsburgh. Can you explain on a case-by-case basis why those latter four could warrant a first-round draft selection next April? Well, Trey Adams played last year at uh, 6'8", 295, and apparently he is up to 320 pounds. But for a guy that size that moves that well, that's a very unique skill set. Uh, he needed to get stronger in his core and add weight in order to better sustain blocks and be more effective in the run game. But for his ability to get to that side, get to the outside and get to the second level at that size with, you know, more than prototype length, uh, he is somebody that I'm really excited with. He wasn't really even fully on my map until I saw him in that Alabama game. And he was one of the very few players that uh, stood out for me on that Washington offense. You know, Alabama definitely steamrolled him. Uh, that Washington quarterback, he's probably going to get some hype from some people because he's a good college quarterback, but I am not big on him as an NFL prospect. He's just not big enough, doesn't have the arm strength uh, and the tools. But as far as uh, Hyatt went, or not Hyatt, um, as far as Trey Adams went, he had a pretty good game guarding that left that left edge. So he's somebody that I even heard that he, he could catapult as to the number one offensive tackle in this class. I've heard some scouts talk about him that highly in terms of his athleticism and his work ethic. There are some concerns about Mike McGlinchey's athleticism, and there are concerns about Connor Williams' size. I've heard people say he might have sub-33 arm length. So if that happens, he might be kicked into guard Zach Martin style. I'm not saying that'll come to fruition, but there are a lot of concerns about his arm length that I've been repeatedly told from different scouts. Uh, Chukwuma Okorafor is, I believe he's only 19 years old. He came to America from, I don't have it right in front of me. I believe it was Kenya when he was younger and he enrolled at Western Michigan at 16. So he's, he's a young senior and at six foot seven, uh, 333 pounds. He's just a ball of potential. He moves pretty well. He's going to need to get stronger and he needs to get meaner. That's a common theme. The, the strength aspect is a common theme for a lot of these tackles coming out. But as far as just athleticism at size, he is somebody that is super exciting to watch and I think has gobs of potential. He's going to have a very tough matchup week one when 
Western Michigan takes on USC. So he's going to be kicked off right off the bat. But as much hype as Taylor Moten had last year playing right tackle from Western Michigan, tackle is because they had this young, huge upside left tackle and Chukwuma Korafor on the left side. So he's definitely one that is I'm excited to watch. Uh, and the last guy that you talked about, um, Brian O'Neill. Again, my top 40 that I did was based on a lot of trajectory. I was going for people with athletic uh, skill set, and I definitely raised the tackles higher because I wasn't super huge on Menelik Watson, and I do raise the value of edge rushers, quarterbacks, uh, cornerbacks, and tackles because, in my opinion, those are the building blocks of any NFL team. Uh, but Brian O'Neill, he had one of the best rates of uh, pass blocking last year. I believe he had the second highest pass blocking rate according to Pro Football Focus, uh, only behind Connor Williams. So pretty good, especially for a team that um, has more of a downhill running uh, pro style. You know, quarterback's going to hold the ball a little longer uh, with the Pittsburgh attack. He moves extremely well. He actually came to Pittsburgh as a tight end, I believe at about 230 pounds. And now he is up to 300 pounds after transforming his body over the last uh, three, three and a half years. He had two receiving touchdowns last year, which is a lot of fun. He actually made some guys miss. So he's, he's a really good athlete. And if he can continue to add strength and uh, work on his ability to drive block guys, I think he has the potential to be one of the more athletic tackles we've seen in the last 10 years, just because he moves, he does move that well. He's going to have to get stronger. He looks really skinny, especially in his lower half. But with that size, that length and that ability to move, especially if, you know, a zone blocking team, he's somebody that could be highly valuable at left tackle because he has the profile to be a very good mirror uh, pass protector. Boy, boy, Nick, you just made me even more excited about this uh, 2018 offensive tackle class, and I was very excited beforehand. Uh, at you, uh, But before we address the interior offensive line, you skipped over one of uh, your uh, top 40 players. It's Martez Ivy of Florida, offensive tackle and guard from Florida. Why do you think he could potentially be a first-rounder next spring? I don't think he will be a first rounder because I believe he'll be kicked into guard. And that's the reason I skipped him. I have him in my notes as a guard. I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him as a tackle, but there are a few guys who play tackle that I think probably, I mean, they can play tackle, but if you're going to use them up to their full potential, kind of like a Deion Dawkins last year for temple, kick him to the inside, let him use that size, uh, six foot five, six foot four, you know, uh, decent length still, but more of just a move the guy off the spot type of blocker. And Ivy's a great athlete. He came on more, last year than he had before you know i think he was a five-star recruit for the uh, university of florida and overall i just don't think he's probably going to stick at tackle he probably will you can probably put him at right tackle uh good athlete definitely can move as natural natural athleticism in space but i prefer him at guard uh where you can get him at move especially left guard if you can get him as that left guard spot where you can use him more as a pull blocker that that is the chance to really help uh and solidify an offensive line you can play him at right tackle, left tackle in a pinch, but compared to these other guys in this class that have tremendous size and length, I mean, we didn't even touch on Mitch Hyatt, Martinez Rankin, uh, Orlando Brown, and I'm sure there'll be some other tackles that'll step up. Uh, Boone Myers, that's a Hawkeye, that's a pretty uh, a sleeper there. He might not come out this year, but he's really athletic and fun to watch at that position as well. So I think Martez Ivy, probably if I'm, if I'm drafting, I'm drafting him at guard. Yeah, and speaking of guard, only one other interior offensive lineman made it onto your initial top 40 board, and that is Quentin Nelson of Notre Dame. 
How does Nelson compare to other recent interior offensive line studs that were drafted in the first two rounds, like Zach Martin, Cody White here, and most recently Forrest Lamp? He is much more of an earth mover than any of those guys. Cody Whitehair, uh, Forrest Lamp, Zach Martin, the, all those guys made their hay because they were so athletic. They just didn't have the, the length to stick at tackle because you have to have that length to keep those guys off your chest and to protect that edge more, especially with more and more speed in edge rushers in today's NFL. But Quentin Nelson, I mean, he's just a road grader type. He's got decent athleticism, but – I think you'd be a crime to put him in a zone blocking scheme and move him where you can put him in more of a man uh, power blocking scheme and just have him drive people six, five, about 330 pounds and him and McGlinchey on that left side, the best left tackle left guard combo in in a bit. I want to say just in terms of their run blocking, their ability to get downhill and just move guys off the block. Uh, The name that I've been given uh, with him was uh, DeCastro, but another name, as well as been uh, Logan Mankins. So just more of a a downhill power guy who really mean, really aggressive, and looks to finish guys. So he's not that athletic guard that switched to tackle as much. You know, he doesn't have the athleticism to play tackle. But if you want to run a power blocking scheme and drive people off the ball and really run the ball, he's, he's a great fit. And I, for me to put a guard in the first round, I do not value the interior offensive line in the draft as much. Uh, especially because I think a lot of those guys, like uh, the way the NFL is trending, the best offensive linemen in college football are normally tackles. So you have those tackles convert to guard, even center. You saw Cody Whitehair played left tackle and then was moved to center. So I, I spend much more time on the tackles and which ones I think can project a guard. Like one I like in that regard, you know, we already talked about Martez Ivy. Uh, Jamarco Jones as well plays tackle for Ohio State. He's 6'5", 310. And I think, you know, he probably could play at tackle, but put him at guard, he could be a very good guard. So that's kind of the same thing with Forrest Lamp last year. and But Nelson is the only one of the only pure interior offensive linemen that will crack my board that early because he is that good. You have to be projecting to be a top 10 player as an interior blocker to be a first-round value to me. And I think, I think he does project that way. He is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, of milehighhuddle.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H, and that is K-E-N-D-E-L-L. Uh, just to make sure you get it right, folks. And uh, now moving on to the other side of the ball. Again, back to the defense. 2016 was arguably the deepest defensive line class in two decades. The 2017 class was average at best. At first glance, is this 2018 defensive line group closer to that of 2016, 2017, or somewhere in between? Uh, Last year's class, the 2016 class, was not that great. I was a fan of the athletic profile of Malik McDowell, but heard plenty of negative buzz about him off the field. And I mean, unfortunately for him and the Seahawks, he did have that ATV accident. So it sounds like he's going to be out for the year. Uh, Allen had that shoulder injury and the, there's some others as well that were solid, but it did not compare to the 2015 class. That was one of the better interior defensive line class. I, I can remember next year's class though. I'm sorry. We're already, I'm already talking 2019. Mm-hmm. The 2019 class has three defensive linemen that I think could all go top five. That's how talented they are. All yeah, true like, sophomores. Like Ed Oliver of Houston? Ed Oliver of Houston, definitely. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, nose tackle for Clemson. And uh, Gray, Rashad Gray for uh, Michigan, who's more of a 3-4 uh, defensive end. He's the, All of them true sophomores, and all of them have just freak athletic ability. I think Dexter Lawrence is 6'5", 350, and he's the best 
nose tackle prospect I've seen since uh, Nada. So yeah, I'm a defensive line guy. That's actually where my heart is. I do like the offensive line, but if interior uh, pass rushers, defensive tackles, love those guys, and I'm already stoked for 2019. But bringing it back to 2018, this class does look pretty solid, but it doesn't have any of those type of guys at the top. I would take all three of those guys over anybody in this class. Uh, my number one right now is Christian Wilkins, who also plays for Clemson. Yes. He played edge last year for uh, the Tigers, but this year he's moving back to three technique next to Dexter Lawrence. And because Dexter Lawrence is such a freak uh, size mover, he's going to eat up a lot of teams. And I'm expecting Christian Wilkins to, especially with the amount of one-on-one opportunities he's going to get, uh, 300 pounds, uh, six foot four. He is, I mean, I actually saw him bend last year at the edge. He actually had some ankle flexibility, which I have the only other 300 pound guy I can think of seeing that with was uh, JJ Watt. I'm not calling Christian Wilkins JJ Watt, but he's a tremendous athlete for his size. Uh, a lot of splash plays in the backfield. He does need to do a better job finishing plays. A lot of times he'll get back there and then the quarterback will escape or the running back will get out, uh, get out of his grasp, but tremendous athlete. And I think he has the ability to play five tech all the way down to three tech. So I think he'll probably be, it's still pretty early, but I'm pretty safe saying he's probably going to be a top 15 pick. Uh, would it surprise you if he ends up being like a top 10 pick or if not a top five pick? Uh, he could be, but I think next year's class with the, the amount of quarterbacks that look to be in the class, as well as uh, offensive tackles and the talent that is Arden Key, all those positions are more valuable than the, that defensive tackle in today's game. So with I, I, I think we'll have like six or seven quarterbacks go in the first round and two or three offensive tackles go in the top ten, so that could push him down. Oh, and there's also the freak athlete that is Derwin James, probably my favorite defensive back I've scouted since I've started doing this. So. Oh, yeah. And not forget uh, two potentially freakish running backs in uh, Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis. So the, yeah. one of those two guys could easily go top 10. Uh, but yep. uh, back to the D-line here. Four other defensive linemen made it on your initial top 40 board, which you all at home can check out at milehighhuddle.com. And those other four defensive linemen were Georgia's Trenton Thompson, Alabama's Duran Payne, Washington's Vita Villa, and Florida State's Derek Nadi. Give us a little scouting report on each of them and explain why you are quite high on them. Well, head on over to draftbreakdown.com and go check out Trenton Thompson in the bowl game against TCU this year. I mean, that dude wrecked people in that game. I believe he had three sacks, uh, four tackles for loss, and was in the backfield, it seemed like, on every play. He has the length and athleticism that I think he can play five technique very well. And I think he compares pretty similarly to uh, – Kansas City Chiefs second round pick from 2015, Chris Jones. He has that length. He has that burst. And just his splash plays are so, so good. And with the ability to be a steady pass rusher, the NFL is changing. What's valuable in the interior defensive line has changed a lot because, you know, before you used to have more girthy uh, guys who could eat up blocks, free up the linebackers, you know, be run stoppers. But now if you're not offering as a pass rusher, you're going to drop to the third, fourth, fifth round on down. doesn't even matter how good you are as a pass rusher or as a run defender, but Trenton Thompson, he can do both and he has the athleticism to get in the backfield. And he also has lateral agility where he can chase guys down for a long way. Uh, very fun game against TCU. I think he was either one of the, the tackle recruit in football when he went to, uh, when he committed to Georgia. So a lot of fun. He did have some, an issue this last off season where he was in the hospital. I'm not sure exactly the specifics of that. I hope I'm sure more will come out. Um, as we get closer to the draft, but 
I think he's probably the guy who could challenge Christian Wilkins uh, to be the number one defensive tackle. And he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, my next guy, uh, Dron Payne, you know, classic Alabama <laughs> defensive tackle. They have one every year. They even might have two this year with hand. He's more of a, uh, four, three defensive end in my opinion. He might be able to play some five technique, but doesn't have the is that I want or the, the strength for a five technique, especially with a team like, uh, the Broncos who have struggled against the run, but Payne, very strong, uh, really high potential, his hands. I mean, just, just the force that he has when he makes contact to drive people back in the jolt is special. And he's not super incredible as a pass rusher. Granted, Alabama doesn't ask him to be, didn't ask him to be much more than a, uh, disruptor in terms of blowing up blockers. So the, uh, very athletic linebackers could make plays. So with, uh, Allen gone and Foster gone and Williams gone and Anderson gone. Payne is probably going to have a much higher role this year in terms of impact rather than, you know, uh, eating up blocks. So those other guys can make impacts. So I'm excited to watch him. And I think he definitely is a riser as well. Let me see Vita Vea. Yes. Uh, I think he would probably would have been a first round pick last year. If he came out, he plays a lot of Washington's very interesting because they have those huge, athletes but they like to move them around and show off their athleticism and they is a pretty strong athlete uh for being 6'5 332 i wish he was a little stronger at the point of attack uh he can arrive with pretty good force but for being that size he doesn't get the jolt that i want but still uh heavy nose tackle and pretty tough at the point of attack uh eats up blocks pretty well and can play two gap i don't know if he has the the burst to be a one gap but still uh, with that bull rush and his ability to eat up two gaps, he can be pretty effective. And he's probably my favorite uh, size defensive tackle in this class. I'm not sure I would love him at nose tackle just because he's 6'5". Being 6'5 and 332, you have to be pretty special to be that tall as a nose tackle because you're automatically going to be losing the leverage battle at the snap. Because, I mean, 6'5", as soon as the center hikes the ball, he can just literally uh, stand up and get under your pads. But still, as a one technique or just a guy who can move around, I mean, he even played some five technique. Uh, a lot of fun and a pretty good athlete for that size. So we'll see. I think I think he could stand to lose a few pounds, if anything, just to add a little more athleticism. Uh, and then, oh, and also just speaking of losing a few pounds, he looks like he gets winded pretty easily. So I'm a little bit concerned about his conditioning as well. And that's something that'll need to be cleaned up because you're not going early in the draft if you're just a simple two-down defensive lineman you need to be able to create pressure and do things on all three downs just to add to your versatility uh and then Derek Nadi is a guy who I was really hoping would come out last year he was not getting a lot of hype but when I watched Florida State he was the guy that I was most impressed with you know the Broncos drafted Demarcus Walker in the second round but Nadi was my favorite defensive lineman on there because he was so strong at the point of attack kind of just a little bowling ball wrecking ball type he's only about 6'2 he doesn't have tremendous length and I believe he's about 310 in terms of weight, but super strong at the point of attack. He can just move guys, uh, at, move guys off the ball and uh, into the backfield. He's going to have to show a little bit more as a pass rusher if he's going to uh, be a top 40 guy going forward. And my board, I'm obviously going to re- reassess as uh, more tape comes out. Um, but very, exci- very excited about him and – He's just a little wrecking ball, so a lot of fun. I like that kind of guy. Uh, a couple other nose tackles worth noting on are uh, Loa Lutulele, defensive tackle from Utah. 
six two three ten, uh, younger brother of Starlo Tulule. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, Dylan Mack, nose tackle from uh, Texas A and M, six one three thirty five. So the fire hydrant type, very good get off for three thirty five. But again, not as strong as I'd hoped he'd be. And uh, last year, when watching Montrevious Adams uh, from Auburn, his counterpart, uh, Don Travius Russell, so they have Montrevious and Don Travius, uh, super athletic and uh, very tough interior defensive lineman. So I think he flashed some first-round skill set as well. So overall, uh, I think it is a better interior defensive line class than it has been in the, uh, the past. And I'm excited to dive deeper and deeper into it and get some fresh tape to look at because it's been too long. It most certainly has. You're going to get that tape very soon. And Nick, thank you so much once again for donating your time and your in-depth knowledge uh, to our program. But before we go, we have uh, one more question for you. And uh, you've named a lot of names so far, but I encourage you to name one edge rusher, offensive tackle, guard center, or defensive lineman that you haven't mentioned tonight and that is not in your top 40 that you believe will make it into your top 40 by draft day. Oh man, putting me on the spot. I <laughs> I went through a lot of names there. Some people, I bet you half the listeners haven't heard of Brian O'Neill before. Um, that he's he's I've definitely dug in on some of those sleepers as well. Um, Ed Rusher, who I think could rise up. Glenn Ferguson is my Ed Rusher, who I think could rise up. He is was very productive last year for uh, Louisiana Tech. So small school guy, but has the prototypical size you look for. Um, yeah, Jalen Ferguson was super productive in 2016. He had 14 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, two passes broken up, 16 tackles for a loss, and 49 tackles. Um, just like any small school guy, he's going to have to validate that production at the combine and against uh, Louisiana Tech will have some better opponents on their schedule. But I'm I'm thinking he could uh, show out well at the combine, being 6'5", 55, the potential to play both 3-4 and 4-3 excited about him uh, and I could see him definitely rise up boards, especially with a strong combine and another productive year. Uh, as far as a sleeper defensive lineman, I'm a little bit intrigued by uh, Jerry Tillery. He is just going to be a junior this year, so he might not come out, but six six three ten, And like I said, I scout with uh, my Bronco glasses on. So I'm looking for five techniques uh, with size and ability to play laterally and uh, eat up multiple spaces. So they have to have length. I don't want my five techniques to be skinny guys because there's only three guys on the off or the line of scrimmage defensive linemen. So they have to have some length. And Jerry Tillery, 6'6". He had 37 tackles last year, uh, three for loss, and r- really productive. Him, I really noticed him when I was watching Jerron uh, Jones play for Notre Dame, who was somebody that I liked early on but uh, kind of faded um, his sophomore year. He had a knee injury, but after that knee injury, he wasn't the same. But Jerry Tillery, uh, very – um, exciting prospect in terms of his athleticism at his size. Uh, and I think he could be a very strong five tech that moves his way up the board. As far as offensive tackles, I touched on for a second, but I'll, I'll go again. I'll be a little bit of a homer. He might not come out this year, but Boone Myers for the Hawkeyes is one who I love. He's playing left tackle for him. And the Hawkeyes had the number one rated offensive line last year voted by the coaches. I don't think they're the most talented offensive line, but as far as cohesion goes and being well-coached, uh, very good group. Boone Myers is only a junior, but again, one of those guys who came to the University of Iowa as a different position. Uh, he came as a, a tight end, uh, about 200 and 
225 pounds, 235 pounds, and uh, has hit the weight room super hard. I believe he's up to about 305 now. Moves very well. Um, solid run blocker. He's he's never going to be a a mauler in the uh, Mike McGlinchey type. You know, he doesn't have that size six at six five, three hundred five. But very good player, and if he stays healthy this year with a solid two solid running backs for the Hawkeyes and just a good offensive line overall, he's somebody who could I could see rise up boards and maybe even declare early as a junior. Uh, then what other one do I have still defensive? Interior offensive line? Yes, interior offensive line. I didn't talk about him too much, but I really do like Mason Cole from the University of Michigan. I believe he might be playing tackle this year, uh, but they move him around the offensive line. Uh, played center last year very well. Uh, could stand to potentially do more work in the weight room, add some more weight. He's 6'5", 305, but really technical, and the I think he's the only returning starter on that Michigan line, so big leader. Uh, I think he's probably best in his own scheme just because I don't see him being able to move guys one-on-one off the point of attack like you'd want from a power scheme, but very technical pass blocker and can do well in space, just just coordinated, and you don't see him put his hands in the wrong place very often. I could see him probably going uh, day two. Probably day two is a safe bet with him, so I, I like him a lot. Uh, haven't scouted too many centers just because on the roster in my opinion but if, if i had to pick one it'd probably be mason cole nick kendall ladies and gentlemen you can follow him on twitter at nick kendall mhh once again that's k-e-n-d-e-l-l and nick you just showed us once again why you're one of my favorite uh, draft analysts in the business and we definitely look forward to having you on the program at some point in the near future during the college football season so we could reassess how your board has changed and there will be changes folks it's part it's how it goes Thank you once again, Nick. We hope to see you again very, very soon. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to say I'm super excited. Uh, college football starting off, and for me at least, in two weeks. I got my tickets to see the Iowa Hawkeyes take on potential number one pick, Josh Allen. So I like to call Josh Allen uh, Elway's dream just in terms of his skill set. You know, the six six guy who plays a lot of bootlegs with a cannon arm. I mean, he's literally what he wanted Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler to be. So. I don't know if you've already had guys on to talk about the quarterback, but Josh Allen, as far as the skill set goes, probably one of the more fun quarterbacks to come out in a bit. Uh, yes, and uh, we did have uh, Jonah Tolls of DraftBreakdown.com oh, uh, tell yeah. us about quarterback prospects, and let's just say that uh, his opinion on Josh Allen is the exact opposite of yours. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crown. But we plan to be back tomorrow with more fantasy football advice and analysis with Jody Smith of GridironExperts.com. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at SportsCrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Nick Kendall, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromlow saying so long. And, of course, stay awesome.